Amen. Take your Bibles this morning and open to the book of John. We're going to be looking in John chapter 13. So if you'll go ahead and find that, you'll, you'll be happy that you did. Well, it is good to be in God's house today. Amen? I, I will tell you that um, you probably have grown accustomed to coming in and sitting in this room and having the sun come up through those stained glass windows. But if you're not accustomed to it, it is pretty awesome as we're singing about God's majesty, His glory, His holiness, uh, and um, it, it just, it, it's special. And so sometimes you uh, see things so often that you just forget the, the atmosphere in which uh, you have entered. And so it, to me, it was just a, a glorious uh, experience this morning as I worshiped the Lord and saw the color and the light uh, coming through the windows. Uh, you know... Um, Several years ago, my first experience with disaster relief happened on, in 1991 when that horrific tornado came through uh, Oklahoma City there on the south side and, and in Moore in particular, which was the hardest hit. And so on that, on that night of May the 5th, um, I was out in Weatherford and we were having deacons meeting and it was a sunny, sunny bright, warm uh, evening, and we uh, got started getting phone calls from our spouses saying that we needed to, to come home, that something terrible had happened, and we turned on the TV and began to see what was going on. When you looked at what was going on in that uh, moment, it was just really uh, hard to, uh, to visualize. It was one of the first times that I was actually seeing footage of the devastation and the uh, of of the of the strength of that tornado and it, or any tornado really I'd seen I'd seen the after effects but this is I mean just right after and one of the areas that was hardest hit was a community a neighborhood right across the street from First Baptist Church Moore if you might remember and so but First Baptist Church Moore had their parking lot open and so the emergency responders were uh, were able to get into their parking lot and they set up right in front of the church and they put up those big spotlights to illuminate the whole yard there so that they could begin caring for and doing triage for people who had uh, been affected by this terrible storm and as the uh, first responders got there and they began to go into that neighborhood across the street from the church. They would go in and there were people that had come out of their uh, cellars or out of their home, out of their basements. And they were coming out and they were covered with mud and they were covered with all kinds of debris. And they, they were dazed. They were definitely confused about what was going on. And some of them were literally being dug out of the debris so that they could be set to safety if they didn't have a, a, a cellar or a basement that they could get into and they were just covered up by debris. And so those first responders would get them out and if they were capable of walking, they would point to them at the First Baptist Church. And what you could see from that devastated neighborhood with those people covered with all the, the filth and debris of that horrible tornado, all they could see when they looked across to where First Baptist Church was is they could see the white crosses 
of First Baptist Church. And so those first responders would pull the people out. If they were capable of walking, they would turn them and they would point them to the crosses and say, Go to the cross. Go to the cross. And so they would get up and walk out. And I think what a beautiful picture. I I would have loved to have been standing on the yard as you see them coming out of the darkness into the light, coming to the foot of the crosses. Man, what a beautiful, beautiful picture of the gospel that is. And we come out of our broken condition, out of our wearied world, and we walk out with all of our filth, but we go to the light. And when they got to the light... That's when things started to really change for them. It is the same for us, is it not? When we get to that light, oh, the change that comes to our life. I wonder, when they got to the, when they got to the cross and to the church, what did they see? Well, I don't know what they experienced that night, but I will tell you this, around your community, there are people whose lives are just as devastated as if a storm had just crashed their home. And they are looking in the midst of all of that suffering, and they're looking for something or some place where they can get some help in their condition. And we would what? Point them to the cross. We would bring them into the church because when they get to the church, there's hope and there's help for them. What is it when someone in your community is pointed to your church, when they get here, what is it that they see? What is it that they experience when they get here, coming out of the darkness of the, of the world, coming out of the darkness of the community, and coming to the, to the light of the church, where the light of Christ shines like it did on Calvary. What, what do those in your community see when they come here? Well, I am aware because um, I have done several transitional interims. And so I am aware, and though I haven't read your letter and I didn't go through your experience of walking through that with Brother Joe, I know that what happens in those moments when you have those transitional times, you get away and you strip away all of the outer garments and you stand between uh, in front of the mirror of God's Word and you look at all the imperfections, right? So you saw, you saw yourself as you are. Now, no, nobody, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I, when I stand in front of the mirror, I want my outer garments on. <laughs> Right, I'm not. I'm not looking there, uh, you know, in the in the mirror. I don't want to see. I, I want to see how I looked in the coat and in the slacks. I want to see the outer garment. Well, listen. Here's what I'm saying. I, I'm sure that when we when we go through transitional time, we 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 unclothe and we stand before the mirror of God's word and we see all the things and we're we're quick to say this and that and this and that and this and that and and boy, we can. Man, we, we can go all the way going, huh, what? Good grief. Well, you know, all those things are true. But that's not where God, that's, that's, not, that's not where God leaves us, is it? No, he clothes us with his righteousness, right? So when we stand in front of the mirror clothed in his righteousness, we look better. 
we look better. Just, just go with that. And so when, we, when we're standing there clothed in his righteousness, then, then we, are, we are representing who he is to that world that would come into the light. Now, I'm, I'm, it's a good thing to do that self-examination. But, but I will tell you, you probably saw things that nobody else is going to see when they walk into the building. That, that's, that's, that's inner knowledge. That's not, that's not outward knowledge. And the outward knowledge is that, that people come in and they, they see something and they should see something and they will see something when they come into this place. Because I can speak for me when I come in here, I talk about, and, and, I, and I leave, I talk about the people of faith that I, that I have met. I have been greatly encouraged by the uh, senior, uh, well, <laughs> they're not senior adult men because I actually fit into that category. The 60s and above class, amen? That, that used to be senior adults, but not, not anymore. And so, but I'm greatly encouraged by them. And, and the wisdom of God's word that, that has come into my life Sitting there in those cl- in those classes and listening to the to the experience and the wisdom of men who have walked in God's word for a long time and and you know what I went back to Oklahoma City and I said to Cindy and I said to Joe I said you know First Baptist Church Enid has a great future because they have a solid grasp on God's Word. Where did I come up with that? I came up with that because I sat in that Sunday school class and I heard those men talk about God's Word in a way that that gave me encouragement and gave me an impression of who you are. So what is it that people see when they come into the life of First Baptist Church Enid? And when I was a pastor at South Main, which I was pastoring before I came back uh, to Oklahoma in the role that I am. And while I was there, I, I discovered that there was three things. And, you know, everybody wants to do some extraordinary, you know, amazing, never-been-done-before kind of thing. And, and that's all good. And I, and I, I applaud those who do that. But, but I'm more of a basics kind of guy. I believe that if the people of God will do the basic work of the gospel well, that God will benefit them and his kingdom through them if we just learn to do the basics well. Now, we might never play pro ball, but we will enjoy the game if we do the basics well. And so that's what I... That's what I would try to help my church understand. And so I came up with a little formula. And so the pastor, the church was South Main Street Baptist Church. And so we usually just called ourselves South Main. And so I said, SM cubed or SM to the third power equals K. So if South Main in the power of three were to, were, would equal kingdom results, okay? So, for you, it would be FBCE to the power of three equals kingdom. So, for us, what I, I wanted to see what those three things were. And so, 
I, I thought that we need to connect with God through prayer. So, so the first was pray. We have to, we have to intersect with God in prayer. And then, then if we intersected with God in prayer, do you know what the outcome of intersecting and connecting with God in prayer is? Compassion. Then, then we would have compassion for each other and we'd have compassion for those outside the body of faith, inside and outside. And then, then we would go. Then we, then we would go into the, into the community and we, would, and we would carry the gospel into the community. And so if we just did those three things, and so when we had staff meeting, I would ask, where, where does this fit in to the advancement of the kingdom of God? Is this connecting us with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Is this us showing compassion and, and care to one another or to, to the community at large? Or does this empower us in the journey to go out into the world to deliver the message of hope? And so that was our marching orders. And we didn't do anything that didn't fit into those three categories for a long season. We would, we would ask ourselves, how does that work? Well, I think we can find that in God's Word. And so this morning in John chapter four, uh, 13... Verse 34 and 35, we, we hear these words that, that Jesus is going to speak to us. It says, I give you a new commandment. Love one another just as I have loved you. You must also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. So, so basically what this is saying is they're going to know that you are you, are, you belong with me and that you're connected to me if you love each other and you love the world at large, the, those in the world at large. And so the first thing I want us to see in this passage is, is that when they come to you and they come into the, into the family of faith and they intersect in, with the life of this congregation, they ought to, the community, they ought to see the community of believers that love God. They ought to see you as worshipers of the living God, that, that you're not just, just uh, an audience for a show, but that you are, you are actually the worshiper in, in, the, in the advance of, of, of worship, that you are a participant, not, not a spectator. And they ought to see that in a lot of ways. They ought to see that in your engagement. They ought to see that in your song. They ought to see that in your focus. They ought to see that in your, in your desire for, for, the, for the song and for the word. They ought, they ought to be able to see that. They'll know that you're his disciples because you're connected. So our love for God is expressed in, in a couple of ways that, that are very evident for people to see. That they see that, that our love for God is a love that expresses itself in two things, in service and in sacrifice. They ought to see you as a people who are willing to serve. Serve the God that you worship. Serve each other and serve the community. They, they, ought, to, they ought to see you with a what-can-I-do-for-you attitude. How, how can I come alongside you? How can I... Meet the need of, of your life. And then they ought to see that you're, that you're ready to sacrifice. That you're sacrificed 
for each other, that you have sacrificed for the greater cause of the kingdom of God, that, that you're not just a token Christian, just given a token of time, or a token of resources, a token of energy, but that you're an all-in kind of believer, that you're, you're giving your all and you're sacrificially serving the God that you worship. When they see that, they, they can't help but to be, be brought into the fact that, that there is something here that is worthy of your resource, of your, of your life, of, of your time, of your energy. And they're going to lean in to see, what is it? And of course, we know that it's Jesus. He's worthy of all of those things. So when he asked me, what am I thinking of? I'm sitting there thinking, he's worthy. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, John, we should have talked about this. Who knows what we could have came up with if we had thought that we were going to talk about the holiness and the righteousness and the wonder of God. Huh. Isn't that amazing how God does that sometimes? Because we didn't get to talk. And yet God puts the, the song and the sermon together so that we can say that, you know what? God is here and God is alive and active and He wants us to hear what, it, what His Spirit is saying to us today. The, these, are, these two gifts, this, this idea of what can I do for you? Or what can I do for God? Or what can I give to you? What can I give for God? The, these are not natural, but supernatural expressions of the love that we have for God. The, the natural is, what can I do to get me what I want? How, how, can I, how can I sacrifice to better my state of life or my state of living? How, how can I do that for me? But, but it's not about me. It's about others and and that's that's really how god demonstrated his love for us right he he didn't say how can i make me better but he said how can i help others and so god demonstrated his love for us and while we were yet sinners he died for us he was ready to make the ultimate sacrifice so that we could have life the first thing is the community of believers that loves God. There, there's something more than just a club of people that come together and have a membership in the same organization. There is the, the living God that is central to all that we do, all that we say, and all that we experience. That's what they ought to see. Then they, then they ought to see that not only do we connect with God, but, but they are, the community should see a community of believers that, that truly do love one another. He said that you would love one another just as I have loved you. It, it really will not be in the end times. It really will not be what achievements you have accomplished in your life that will define you in heaven. It's not going to be your education or your income or your awards or accolades. But what's really going to define you in the life to come was your love. Love for God. Love for others. That's, what, that's the defining thing. You don't have to... Listen, you don't have to be educated. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be healthy. You, you don't have to be any of those things. To love, to love 
to care. Have compassion to care. Love one another as I've loved you. To care. It, it, it means more than just them coming in and walking out and say, well, they were a friendly bunch. We want that. We do want them to feel like we were friendly. But you know what they really need when they come in? is not for us to be friendly, but for us to make them a friend. I'm friendly to a lot of people that I will never be friends with. And people need to know the difference in, in our friendliness and our desire for friendship. We, we ought to be a church that is welcoming to all. And not just, you can come here, but welcoming and you can be a part of my community. You can be a part of my life. You're welcome in my space. We say, well, that's who we are. And we may, and we may be. But I will tell you that across America today, people who aren't members will come into churches because they're in despair, because they're looking for something. And they might find a friendly group, but they leave without having made an individual one-on-one -on -one connection to someone who will be their friend. Because you know what a friend's going to do? A friend's going to say, who are you? Tell me about you. I hope you'll come again. You mind giving me your number so that we can connect? I'd love to show you my Sunday school class. I'd, lo I'd love to introduce you to some of my friends. Hey, are you going to go to lunch somewhere today? Would you like to join my family? Would you all like to join us? That's, that's being more than being friendly. That's actually being a friend. And so when they come in, they ought to find us to be a, a people who, who are open to, to friendships. And really, you know, isn't that, isn't that what it's all about? And I, I'm just going to make an a, a unapologetic plea right here. If you're not a part of a Sunday school class, get in Sunday school. <laughs> because that's where community is built. That's where we build our knowledge of each other. You don't, you don't get to interact in the big room. You, you, you do that in the small group. And so, so go to the small group. Go to, go to that place. I, I'm going to tell you there's advantages of doing that when you, when you come together. Because now I know your need. I know, I know that, that, you, that you or your spouse have been sick and so you haven't been able to mow. I come mow your yard. I know that because I missed you in Sunday school. I asked somebody, do you know what's going on? Yeah, they, they both are out. They're sick. Well, I can, I can show up and meet some physical need in their life. You know that my, my stepmom, my mom died when she was 40, so my dad remarried. My stepmom had just started going to church. I, I've, it's a long story, but... 
I finally got a pastor who would go and visit. I was living out of state, and my dad had told me he was open to the gospel, that my stepmom was open to the gospel for the first time. And so this pastor went over. She got saved. It was at Canadian Valley Baptist Church, and that pastor passed away uh, not long afterwards. And, and, um, and he was young, but it was, in, it, was, it was just an impactful thing. And then my dad recommitted his life, and they're in church, but they hadn't been in church Hardly any time at all. And my stepmom got cancer. And she had an aggressive form of cancer. And so they treated her. And she was under treatment for a year. Over a year. She had been in Sunday school about a few months in her class. But you know what happened? That Sunday school class began bringing one meal a day to my dad and my stepmom. I've heard of churches do that for a week. I've heard of churches, Brother John, that have put together that kind of thing for a month, a whole month. I want you to know that Sunday school class of ladies brought a meal every day for over a year to my dad. Did he ask for that? Could my dad afford to go and, and, uh, and get some fast food or something like that? Absolutely. But that wasn't good enough for that Sunday school class. They knew what my stepmom was eating what she could eat at that time, what she couldn't. So there was a little something for her, and then there was something for my dad. I, I, how do they know? They're in community. They, they weren't just friendly. They had any transplant. <laughs> there was not much chance in his mid-70s that he was going to get a kidney transplant. And to be real honest with you, my father-in-law... If he'd have known somebody younger that wasn't a believer that was uh, needing that kidney, he'd rather them have it in hopes that they might come to know Christ because that's just how he is, very humble guy. So they had been in a mission church, a mission of the church that they had been members of for a long time. They went and helped a mission church for a number of years, and then when that church got on its feet, they went back to their Sunday school class. They're in Sunday school class for the first Sunday in probably 10 years because they went out from the church to be in that mission church and that was the thing we'll send you out for a season when the church gets established you can come back so he did they'd been there one day three days from that Sunday they get a call from Baylor Hospital Ernie we have a kidney for you and if it's a match and I think it is then, you, then you'll have the surgery. He gets there. He, he's got a thousand and one questions. He doesn't know, he doesn't know what, what to think. And you know what? The doctor said, do you know so-and-so? And he said, the name, the name is familiar, but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know them. They said, the doctor said, well... Did you go to church Sunday? My father-in-law said, well, yes, sir. I go to church every Sunday. He said, did you go to Sunday school? He said, I did. I did. My wife and I went to our 
Sunday school class, we went back to the church that had sent us out. And he said, well, what you didn't know was there was a gentleman sitting there whose wife, whose wife had been put on life support. And we had given him 48 hours to decide what, what to do and give their family 48 hours. But she wasn't going to live much more than 72. But she wanted to give, donate her, her organs. And so they had 48 hours to decide that. Otherwise, it would be too far gone. And, and you know what? Um, I guess he heard you needed one because he said, uh, if there's a match of the kidney with Ernie Culpepper, we, we, I want them to have that kidney. What if he'd missed Sunday school that Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> Over 10 years ago. He, he wouldn't be here today. I, I'm just saying. Now, I'm not promising you your kidney if you go to Sunday school. <laughs> or that you're going to have to give a kidney to somebody that needs one. I'm, I'm not saying any of those things. But hear me. Those needs are not known setting together in the big room. Those needs are known when you come together in small groups to build community, to, to show yourself to be a friend, to, to relationally connect and to compassionately care for one another. J- Jesus makes the target real clear. And, and that target is, is that we are to love and that love is to, to be relational, and that love is to be compassionate, and that love is to be giving. In 2004, there was an Olympian named Matt Emmons, and he was in the 50-meter three-position rifle event, and he was one shot away from the gold medal, and all he had to do is hit the target. He had hit the center of the target every time he had fired. All he had to do is hit the target. And he comes up to his last target. He's so far ahead, there's no way anybody's going to catch. He takes the shot and he takes off again. And the announcer goes, Oh my, I don't know if I've seen anything like this before. And the audience is like, He hit the target. He is a bullseye. But he got zero points. You know why? He hit the wrong target. You know what? I think churches today do some wonderful things. And yet still miss the right target. The target is that we ought to love one another. Dion Warwick in 66 uh, made famous the song, What the World Needs Now is Love. And I'm going to tell you something. We, we ought to sing that song in our hearts sometimes because I'm going to tell you what the world needs now is love. They need to know that we love God, that we love each other, and that we love them. The story of the Good Samaritan points that out to us, doesn't it? That we will love. Community that cares, a community that will go. And our going is dependent upon our connection and our compassion. 
I promise you, we will never go with the gospel if we don't connect to the Father and we don't have compassion for souls. And so, I make a little challenge to you. What what would it be if you were to find somebody within the family of faith to show yourself friendly to? Would it be difficult for you to find somebody inside the body, a member of this congregation? Would it be difficult for you to find somebody that this week you could show the love of God to them by meeting a need in their life? I'm going to tell you, you talk about an encouraged body in a couple of weeks when a new pastor comes. If you're ministering to each other, there's going to, there's going to, there's going to be something. Because I promise you there's people that are members that are outside that right now just really don't know if you really care. Some might be sitting in the room this morning or, or later this morning. And they don't really know if they have connected. Connect with them. I challenge you to find somebody inside the membership of your church and show them compassion. And then find somebody outside the family of faith. And just meet a need. Sometimes just meeting that need is just simply a phone call. Because they just need somebody to care. Somebody to care. I wonder what the testimonies of the church would be if we were known as a congregation that when you came into this place, you would see people leaning in to the worship of the living God. That we were connecting with the Father and that it was evident to all that our worship was being exalted before the Most High. And what if we saw people who were not just focused on worshiping God, but focused on being the image of Christ into the world, that we really wanted to bear the name Christian, Christ-like, and that just like Christ showed his love for us, that we are going to care and be compassionate and go and meet needs just as he would and did. And what if they saw us as a people who were willing to go with that, to go out of our way, out of our comfort, to those who need it most? I don't know about you, But I believe that if you're that kind of church, and my goodness, Brother John, they're real close, aren't they? You're real close. But if the whole becomes one, and you become that church, oh my goodness. Just move the stained glass windows with you when you get to that bigger room that will hold everybody in your two services. Because I'm going to tell you, The world is looking for love. And you can be the people who will love them. Let's stand to our feet. Father, I thank you for this congregation.
I thank you for the love that they have for you. I thank you for their desire to connect to you through your word. I thank you that they're, that they're willing to take off and stand just exposed to the word of God to look at their flaws. And, and yet, Lord, I, I thank you that they, they are more than ready to clothe themselves in your righteousness to present to a lost world their care, their compassion. And Lord, they're not just going to sit here and wait for those to come, but those that do come, they're ready to receive. But they're also going to go out, and they're going to go. And Lord, I do believe that, that a church that does those basic things well will accomplish great and mighty things for your kingdom. And I look forward to the day of coming when it's standing room only in both services. People trying to get together with the ones they love to worship the one that ultimately showed them what true love was. I pray, Father, for those who have been hearing your word for a season of time, who know in their heart that, that they need to connect with you in salvation. God, I pray that today they would call upon you. Father, I pray for those who, for a season in their life, they have known that they, they've lost some of their, their joy. They've lost some of their passion. They've lost some of the scope of their, of their faith. And Lord, I pray as they lean into you today to, to call upon you to restore them and to renew them and to refresh them, that God, in this season of recommittal, that, Lord, you would build them strong, build them back strong in you. And Lord, may they share with someone, if not all of us, their desire to commit themselves afresh and anew. And, Lord, I pray that you would add to those who would come be a part of this body of Christ. I pray, Lord, that every Sunday there would be people connecting with this family of faith connecting their lives with other believers so that together they could take the gospel to the world. Lord, now we stand ready to respond to what your Spirit has said to us. Some will respond in their pew and some will come to the altar. But however your Spirit has spoken to us, may we not just be hearers of your word, but may we take action upon what we've heard. May we respond to your invitation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As God's Spirit has spoken, you come this morning.